Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. What is going on? Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. Friendly reminder, got to let our listeners know that the annual Canada Cup International Softball Tournament in Surrey, BC is looking for more youth gold teams in the U19 and U17 categories. The tournament runs from July 10th to the 16th at the world-class facility Softball City. Currently, there are 98 teams competing between five divisions. There will be over 10 international teams competing in the women's division, as well as a few junior national teams in the U19 division. This tournament offers great exposure to athletes, to college coaches, and to national team coaching staff. This is definitely a tournament you won't want to miss. Visit CanadaCup.com to learn more and submit your application today. Or reach out via Instagram, where their handle is at CanadaCupSoftball, if you have any questions. Get in quick on this one with just a month left to register. It's shaping up to be a beauty out there on the west coast of Canada and Softball City will be the place to be. On to this week's guest and we sat down and chatted with University of Oregon alum, current assistant coach with the North Carolina Tar Heels and current member of the Texas Smoke in the WPF, the one and only Jordan Dale. Jordan has had a fantastic career to date. After playing her freshman season at Virginia Tech in 2018, she spent the last four seasons with the Ducks in Oregon. Jordan pitched over 368 innings in 85 appearances, racking up 32 wins, 28 complete games, three saves, 354 strikeouts, and made two trips to the NCAA tournament. As a sophomore, Jordan was a second-team All-Pac-12 selection, throwing two no-hitters and becoming just the fourth duck ever to throw multiple seven-inning no-hitters in one season. That season, she led the Pac-12 by more than 70 innings pitched and ranked second in the nation during the regular season with a total of 248 innings of work. She's now working as a volunteer assistant at her favorite childhood team growing up, UNC, and is also getting set to start her pro career with the Texas Smoke and the WPF. We're going to talk to Jordan about getting her start in the game, the journey to Virginia Tech, which led to her transfer to Oregon, her personal mental struggles she had with the game, the transition to coaching, and of course, what it means to be part of the Texas Smoke. Jordan was an absolute pleasure to chat with. I'm so happy she took the time to come on and take a real deep dive into her career with us. Legit, one of my favorite talks I've had for sure. So with that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, cause here we go. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm.
are happy to have on with us today, University of Oregon alum, current assistant coach at North Carolina with the Tar Heels, and current member of the Texas Smoke of the WPF, the one and only Jordan Dale. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. How's things going down in North Carolina today? Uh, just, you know, busy as ever. Uh, luckily, today's our off day, so I got to do, you know, my own training and stuff all morning and afternoon. But um, things are going well. We just got a sweep yesterday in a doubleheader, and we've got a, a good weekend coming up at home against Syracuse. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, you guys got a nice little four-game winning streak on the go, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're finally putting some pieces together and getting some things rolling. And I think uh, you're going to see this team get pretty hot real quick. Awesome. Huh? So so what's the goals for the season for you guys? I mean, is it do you have anything in mind or is it, uh, you know, just growing day by day? Uh, you know, I think obviously anybody that's playing at this level, all, everybody's dream is to make it to the World Series. But, you know, I think the more specific you can be in your goals and take them day by day, uh, you know, one thing at a time, I think you're better off in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing that we are kind of honing in on is just really attacking each game one at a time and giving it our best then and there. And, you know, the ACC tournaments, the next thing after season's over and making a good run in that and seeing where we head for postseason. Right on, right on. So how's the coaching game going for you? You, uh, you master it yet or, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone truly mastered no, it. I no. feel like it's, um, I, but that's one thing I love about it. I think you know it's opened my eyes a ton, and I mean, I've I've been giving pitching lessons for years, so uh, I've I've always enjoyed giving back and teaching others about the game, but to now do it at a higher level and to this extent where, you know, you're not just seeing these kids once a week or every other week. Like I'm seeing the same 20 something kids every day for hours and hours. And of course, spending all weekend with them during season. Um, it's given me a whole new perspective. And uh, I was actually talking about this earlier with a friend of mine, but I feel like coaching has taught me so much more about myself as a player as well. And I think if anything, it's it's making me a better player. It's taught me a lot of of patience and it's, it's helped me grow um, in my own mindset and allowing to give myself grace. I was always that player that was super hard on themselves and put too much pressure on themselves to, you know, be the best of the best and to finally kind of step away from that and get out of my own own way mentally as a player I, I owe a lot of that to coaching and you know I absolutely love it I, I mean I could I could sit here and talk softball all day long so I, I I enjoy it um every day is you know another opportunity and I'm just having fun with it right now it's awesome that's awesome so so is coaching something you always want to get into after you're done college ball or just something that you know sparked your interest later on to be honest I I really had no idea what I wanted to do post-college um I was I just, I didn't really know if I had found what I wanted to do. And I know, um, back when, I mean, I've, like I said, I've always given pitching lessons, but I never really, uh, dived into them, I guess you would say, mm -hmm. and was very consistent with them until I got out to Oregon. And, and you know, I owe coach Lombardi a, a huge thank you for that one. She was the one that kind of sparked that interest for me. Um, especially during, um, a couple of the summer, like, I think it was my first summer after my first year there, uh, you know, saying, you know, it's, it's an easy way to one, like make money, but two, like it's giving you an opportunity to see things from a new perspective. And that's exactly what it did, you know? And I mean, I absolutely fell in love with it, especially 
being consistent with it. Like I was still giving lessons in the middle of season, you know, I I didn't care. Like I've, I've made it a priority, you know, between classes and practice and training and my own, you know, personal life as well, but always finding time to still manage to be consistent with lessons as much as possible. Um, and then moving forward, after college, you know, I took a job that was remote um, and was living in Texas for a couple of months. But uh, once I got this call and this opportunity, uh, you know, I, I, I jumped on it. And um, I think my dad, he's kind of always said that I think you'd be great at coaching. I think you'd be great at it, you know, all these things. So mm-hmm. <laughs> for it to come full circle and me actually get to coach, you know, close to home, I think I'm about two hours away from where I'm originally from. Like, that's awesome because they get to come watch me. Um, every weekend, which is nice too. So that's awesome. And you grew up a Tar Heels fan, didn't you? Yeah, I that's did. Sick. I did. That I, is was, sick. I actually, I, I actually wanted to go to North Carolina to be a basketball player when I was really oh. little. So <laughs> every year for my birthday, I would ask for Carolina basketball tickets, and my dad would get them, and so we would go to the Dean Dome and watch the Tar Heels play every winter. So oh. that was my thing growing up when I was little. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I have the, uh, a little thing I like to kick the podcast off with, uh, even though, you know, we're five minutes in, but Hey, that's all good. Um, I call it quick pitches. I'm going to throw some random questions to you and, uh, you answer them as best you can. Good to go. Sounds good to me. All right. First one. I always kick off quick pitches with this one. If you had to live off one meal for a week, what is it? As of right now, probably Kidoba or Kava, <laughs> one of the two. Okay, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> What's that? Kidoba's like Chipotle, basically, but oh, okay. better. I don't care what anyone says. All right, Kava's uh, pretty much the same thing, but more Mediterranean. Nice. So. Okay. All right. I'm gonna have to Google this when we're done. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, biggest thing you miss at Oregon? Uh, I think the people and, you know, the Jane, uh, you know, I, I still talk to some of my teammates almost every day. Like those, your teammates become your family. So I, I miss them every day for sure. And I miss coach Lombardi and being able to play in that stadium. All right. Uh, go to jam at the moment. Ooh, probably Drake's new song, honestly, search and rescue. Okay. I, I mean, it just came, it literally just came out the other day, but I can't get it out of my head. So one of those ones where you, you got to keep repeating. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get sick of this by the end of the week. Yeah. I already know it, but that's, I always do it to myself. So nice. it is what it is. I know I do too. I have a habit of, uh, if I hear a song that I like and I'm like, Oh, this is just going on repeat and I'll fall asleep to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite movie of all time. Ooh, I probably one of the Creed movies, honestly. I, I love the whole Ooh, series yeah. of all three. I just watched the third one uh, a few days ago, actually. I bought it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Nice. Uh, what's my next one here? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being amazing. Rate your karaoke skills. Solid seven. Oh, hey, that's not bad at all. That's good. Just don't, don't nothing, nothing high pitched, or else my voice is going to go out. <laughs> Yeah, mine too. I don't have those yet. <laughs> uh, if you could go anywhere on vacation, where would it be? Probably Italy. Yep, me too. Definitely. Definitely something about it. Days. Something about it. It's just, I don't know. I think it's the, the history and the, you know, just the the views of it. I mean, you see it. I, I see it in movies all the time. I'm like, God, I love to go there. 
Yeah, and like the pictures of the Amalfi Coast and mm. everything. I mean, I I have a little bit of Italian in me as well. Even one of my tattoos is written in Italian, so it's nice. it's definitely on my bucket list to go out there and see the Amalfi Coast and go to Rome and all those places. So mm. well, maybe one day. Nice. Uh, favorite Oregon uniform color combination? All black. All black. Okay. All black. Oh yeah. That's solid. It is solid. Um, I like the, I, cool. I like the green. I like the, the, the all greens with the yellow. Underneath. Yeah. 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 That's I, I love the green pants. I think the green pants pop really well. Mm. Uh, but I, I would say white would probably be a close second just because of how clean they are. Like with the, um, yeah. kind of the background of the ducks, but all black, I felt like I always played my best in and I just, I've always had a thing for all black. I think it looks dope. So nice. favorite tar heel uniform color combination. Ooh, I really like, they have this one white pinstripe one right now. And I love when they wear that one. It's like white top, white bottom. It's beautiful. Ooh, I never seen that. I was going through. I, I was like, I like, I like the, the navies with the, with the baby blue underneath. That's solid. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I, I haven't yeah, seen a the lot pinstripes. Of the, a lot of the girls love the Navy ones, but unfortunately this year, uh, we aren't allowed to wear Navy uh, something with, I don't know, something, I guess, with the university or the athletic department, but, uh, we're not allowed to wear Navy anymore. So really? the girls were a little upset about that one. I would be too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been putting a protest in. Come on. Oh yeah. Uh, two more here. If you could go back and play one game over again, which one is it? Probably the UCLA one from 2019. Okay. <laughs> Let's elaborate on that one. <laughs> um, well, um, we, I was the year, uh, I was the only pitcher out there in Oregon. And uh, obviously a lot of people, if they aren't aware, uh, we were kind of small in our roster <laughs> that yep. year. And it was Coach Lombardi's first year. And, um, you know, we, of course, were up and down that whole season. My arm was, you know, halfway on my body and halfway on the floor. Yep. But, um, we, we upset UCLA at UCLA game one of the series and we handed them their first Pac-12 loss. And oh, I think right, I, right. Was probably one of the best games I've thrown. Um, but ironically, every time I, like, I feel like I blacked out in that game. So I don't remember much of it unless I go back and watch it, which is why I would want to relive that. So I could maybe hopefully remember more. Of it. <laughs> um, but um, when I watch the game, I'm like, it, statistically, it really wasn't one of my best games, you know, minus the 12 strikeouts, mm -hmm. but it was just, I was able to like keep their hitters off balance. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I wish I would have remembered that a little bit more in my yeah. head. But uh, for some reason, I, I've heard that some of your best games, like if you're like for athletes, when you're in a particular zone, you do kind of black out. So I guess that's a good thing that I don't remember it. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, last one here, go to show to binge watch. Um, right now it's power, but nine times out of 10, it's probably going to be criminal minds. Oh, good show. Definitely. I've watched my fair share of Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. I watched it all the way through. Like, I'm talking season one, episode one, straight through to the very end. Like, oh, that was, wow. Really? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love crime stuff and suspense and action and all that. Nice. Okay. Let's get on with uh, your career now. Let's uh, tell us about growing up in Virginia and, and how you got your start in the game. 
Um, I actually started playing softball because my little brother, he played rec baseball and my dad was one of the coaches and I was kind of a tomboy growing up. I, I always wanted to play sports and get involved in all of that. So I was already playing basketball at that time. But I remember I was like, well, I want to play baseball. And my dad told me no. He said, um, he was like, you can go play softball. And I had never heard of it. I was like, what in the world? It sounds good to me. I heard the word soft and I got irritated. Right. Like, it was like, what? Um, but that is how my softball career started. I joined a rec ball team and pitching why you know I didn't start pitching at all I was I think I wanted to be a catcher at first I think I lasted maybe two batters before I got a foul ball into the face mask and it freaked me out so that was short-lived I'm also left-handed so that wasn't really much going for me um, nine times out of ten as a lefty you're either in the outfield or at first so right. yeah. um, that was kind of where I was I tried shortstop too I mean granted I was 10 years old um, but I remember it was you were at that age where if you walk too many people the coach had to come in and pitch and I was like I kind of was just tired of the coach having to come in and pitch so I told my dad I was like well if they can't do it then I need to do it so that was how I started my pitching career. So you, you started, you didn't start pitching until like 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Late. I was a late bloomer. Late bloomer. Wow. But I mean, yeah. Hey, you had the left hand going for you. So, I mean, that, of course, like, why wouldn't you, your dad was probably like, yep. Basketball like, was my first love, you know? So I was playing basketball and that was my thing. So mm -hmm. but softball was kind of a, well, okay. If dad won't let me play baseball, I guess I can go do this. So how, how long, uh, so obviously you would have played basketball right up till high. I'm sure you played in high school. Did you? Yeah, I played, um, all the way through. I was on varsity my freshman year. Um, but I have, I lose weight very quickly. I, I just have a very high metabolism. I, I could eat more than anyone in the room, but I, I just have trouble gaining weight. So basketball uh it was very difficult for me to get back into softball shape and gain that weight back so after playing varsity my freshman year I decided not to play again especially since at that time I think everyone mm -hmm. and their mom knew that softball was definitely my way to go so to stay in shape in the off season instead of doing basketball I did some training with a personal trainer back home um, Ty McRae. And then I also, one of the years I ended up doing indoor track and did some sprints and stuff, but that was mainly just to get into the weight room um, mm -hmm. because I knew track uh, lifted a lot and to also get some conditioning in as well. I definitely was not a track star by any means, <laughs> but I, I can say I was on the track team at one point. But oh, nice. So when did the, the love for ball overtake basketball? Um, I think when I started to realize how different I like with me, like we said, like me being a left-handed, I had a huge advantage, um, from the softball standpoint. And I also, I mean, even in basketball, I shot right-handed. So, I mean, I literally was just like every other short point guard right. or shooting guard out there, but like with softball, like you could really see that I, I had some potential and especially being left-handed and, just with the way that my body moved and my body awareness, um, which is something that not all athletes 
Um, they don't, it doesn't really come naturally to everybody. Um, it was something that was kind of helping me kind of start to stand out a little bit more. And you could see that my future was definitely in softball. So that kind of started to happen. I'd say probably seventh, eighth grade Mm -hmm. was when I really started to just focus strictly on softball, um, aside from just high school basketball, but I did play AAU basketball, um, for a little while too. Um, and so that was pretty fun. Uh, definitely enjoyed that. But after I was done with that, I think you could just tell that it was just going to be softball from there on out. But I still wanted to stay in shape and be as athletic as possible. So mm-hmm. I tried to do other things. Well, definitely track would 100% help out in, in any situation for ball, really. <laughs> it kicked my butt. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, no uh-huh. doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I, I, I uh, got thrown into a 300 uh, one time and I had never ran a 300 before. <laughs> I was just strictly doing like 55s and maybe a relay. And I was like, who put me in this? And my coach was like, just see how it goes, you know, and I was dying. I mean, I got dusted, like absolutely. Cause, I mean, even now, like I've always been very fast. Like even at Oregon last year, I was uh, the third fastest home to first time. Um, and, but when it comes to like, after that 60 feet mark, everyone, I promise you is going to blow right by me. (laughs) Like I, I do not, (laughs) I'm very good out the jump, which, you know, also like, like that helps with pitching. I'm good at driving off the mound fast. Like my jump and my start has always been really, really quick and really explosive. But after about 20 yards, everyone's going to blow right by me. There's like my, I don't have a very high top speed. So I'm just laughing, picturing that. Oh, here, go run a 300. You're, yeah, <laughs> just, just go do it. I mean, my eyes were so big, <laughs> and I thought I was going to throw up afterwards. I mean, I, I could run a mile, you know, but when you're talking a 300 and you're sprinting yes. 300 yards, I mean, it blew me away. I was like, oh. I'm never doing this again. No, no, nope, this not. is not my. This is not the path for me by any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Well, let's talk about uh, your time at Brookville High. I mean. Over a thousand career strikeouts, zero point one two ERA. I mean, I suppose those numbers are okay. <laughs> what uh, What are some of your memorable moments there uh, from your time with the bees? Um, well, I mean, of course, you know, our first state championship. That was the first uh, state championship for uh, a women's sport there. That uh, I guess in the history. So, like, to be a part of history in that aspect was awesome, and we went undefeated. Um, you know, and the core of our team was, you know, we had five freshmen and, um, a couple of seniors that were pretty key factors at the plate and on defense for us. So, and that was just like something that like we, when you're as a freshman, it's not, not that you don't expect that to happen, but it's one of those things where it's like, we're just out there playing and there's no expectation, you know? And so for us to go as far as we did and to break as many team records and individual records as we did, like it was just phenomenal. And then we won back to back the following year. Um, but also, you know, we, we made it to the state championship all four years and that's something that is very difficult to do. I think we were maybe 94 and six or 95 and six in four years. Wow. (laughs) So it was, it was something and um, you know, it wasn't like we were, I mean, you know, in high school, you have some really, really good teams. You got some really bad teams. You got some in between, but, um, I was fortunate enough that our district and our conference, you know, there were a lot of D one pitchers in that conference and D one players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't like we were just walking the dog on everybody. These were hard fought battle games. Um, a lot of times, especially against our rivals. So I think that really kind of helped prepare me for, 
the collegiate level as well as travel ball too and some of the things that we did because it wasn't just a walk in the park always with high school. But since it was high school ball, we were still able to have fun and enjoy playing with your classmates and people that you don't normally get to play with in travel ball. So I think right. that was just an awesome memory to achieve those things with those girls. No doubt. So who uh, who'd you play travel ball with? I played for the Williamsburg Stars Gold, uh, Tom Bunn's team. Okay. And uh, that I played for him for, I think, three years. I think it was three years. Um, but yeah, they're out of Williamsburg, Virginia. Nice, nice. So, I mean, no, three years of that, I'm, I'm sure there was uh, lots of uh, good memories from that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we had a stacked team. I think there was like eight of us at one point that were going to Virginia Tech. But I mean, it was me and Keely Richard were the two pitchers. Uh, we had Kana Davis uh, joined us eventually, who was also at Virginia Tech, Sammy Miller, Darby Troll, Mackenzie Lauder. Wow. Lauren Duff. I mean, we, we had a stacked team. I think we we were runners up in ASA Nationals for 16U. I can't remember what year that was might have been 2015 or 2016 um and then i believe we did the same thing at the jo cup or we came close i we finished like top 2 or top 3 or something in the jo cup i believe back when that was a thing too right. yeah. so, um my last year so it we were competitive. I mean, we were kind of that team that just kind of showed and go like, I mean, you have those travel teams that'll take two hours to warm up and treat it like college ball. But I mean, Bun would walk in with his briefcase and two coffees in his hand, like 30 <laughs> minutes before the game's supposed to start. He would ask me and Keely, which one of us wanted to start and which one of us wanted to close. And half the time her shoes weren't even on because we were, she was braiding hair and I was eating cheese fries. Like, I mean, it was like we showed and goed, but like we, we could ball. Like, I mean, we, yeah. we definitely, that was, it was fun because it was like it was totally different than what most teams would expect for a team of that caliber but like i mean he was no bs man like it, <laughs> you didn't perform well or you were goofing off like he was on you but like he wasn't going to sit there and babysit you like you knew what you needed to do to get warm and that's on you if you're not like that was i loved it i absolutely love bun yeah sometimes over over preparing can be a bad thing oh yeah yeah I'm the same way now. Like I'm still playing and <laughs> I get to the ball field and like I'm a pitcher as well. And <laughs> it's 10 minutes to game time. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I'm going to start warming up now. But I find like if I do that, if I do it like right when I'm ready to go back out in the mound, then I'm good to go. If I'm warming up, like, yeah. you know, 45 minutes before the game and then sitting on the bench, walking around, it's like, oh, I get, I get stiff again, but that's probably old age, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was always the one that was like, I, I mean, I was very particular about my warm up cause you know, I, I did like to have a routine at least, but yeah. I was very serious about making sure, like, I mean, I would miss the anthem if I had to, I really didn't care. Like, I just wanted to make sure that like, I was pretty much throwing up until the game was about to start. So I didn't want to start too early and throw too long. Right. But I still wanted to allow myself enough time. But I was very like particular on timing it just right. And if, you know, we were at a tournament or some of those preseason things like in Mexico or in Clearwater or whatever it may be, um, and we're waiting on the game before us to finish, like I would literally pace myself. Um, so I didn't overthrow, but I also was still ready. Yeah. Um, and that's, that was something I'm like it, the whole, I mean, even nowadays, like the way, I mean, I hate to say it, you know, because I am a college coach, but how long the warmups for like pregame are, are ridiculous. Like there's a lot of 
waiting around in between, you know, your hitting time and your infield time and then your shared field time. And it's just like, there's too much waiting around. And it's just like, gosh, like you could totally do all of this in like an hour. That would drive me nuts. (laughs) It really would. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, uh, let's talk about the recruiting process. Uh, what led to the side on Virginia tech proximity? Um, no, ironically, you know, I, growing up, I always said I wanted to go as big and far away from home as as possible. Um, and so Virginia tech was not something that I was considering whatsoever. You know, it was, if anything, my dream school was Kentucky when it came to softball at that point. Like I just, I did not really want to go to like anything in state, but my freshman year of high school, that's, you know, and that's another thing you normally get recruited through travel ball. Like nobody nowadays ever gets recruited through high school. And even back then, like that was not a thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, because of our team being so talented and like I said, we had five freshmen, you know, in varsity and we were all playing and contributing and all these things. Um, our state tournament, we had a lot of college coaches there. I mean, there was UNC there, there was JMU back when Mickey Dean was there, Virginia tech, like all of them, they're all at the, like Elon, even Liberty. Like there was a bunch of schools that were coming to the state tournament because they had heard about, you know, this, uh, group of kids, you know, from Brookville. And then also, uh, we actually played Odyssey's Alexander's team, my freshman year in the semifinals, Um, you know, so that was, you know, another, like, like a talented team with a really talented player as well. Like there was a lot of people that like, were starting to kind of pay attention to central Virginia, like softball. Um, and so they discovered me through high school ball. And then once we had won States, uh, they had came to the legacy tournament, I believe it was in Atlanta, like a couple weeks after that. Um, and they came to every single one of my games on that day. I mean, we had like an 8 a.m. or 7.30 a.m. game. I mean, it was like stupid early and it was like all the coaches are there like watching, you know, and it was like I remember my coach at the time uh, because that was right before I had joined the Stars Gold. My coach at the time had told me, you know, the most important thing is he was like, if I could give you any advice, go where you're wanted, because at the end of the day, where you're wanted is going to be where you're happiest. Um, And I was just once again, still stuck on that. I don't want to play close to home. I don't want to do this. But I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Like, I'll go on a visit, see what it's about. And, you know, I fell in love with it. I loved Coach Tench. I loved Thomas. I, I loved the school. I loved Blacksburg itself. I mean, it was beautiful. And, you know, uh, by, at that point, I was like, you know, I think this is the right decision for me. So that's that's how that came. It was definitely not something that was intentional or planned right. by any means. But it's definitely a decision I don't regret whatsoever. So were there, did you go on any other visits to other schools? Nope. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Well, one thing that I like asking any guests that I have on that played NCAA, do you remember your first action that you saw that freshman season? Yes. Uh, It was against Ole Miss. Um, I did not start that game. Carrie Eberly did. Uh, But I came in and I struck out seven of the nine batters. I did not give up a hit. And I also, I think, drilled a girl in the kneecap. So um, that was my first college action. And then my first career start was the following game against Penn State. And I actually tied two Virginia Tech records, which were actually Angela Tincher's records. And it was most strikeouts in your first career start, which I believe were... 
was maybe 11 or 12 or something. I might've been 13, somewhere in that range. And also most hit by batters in a single game with five. Um, So that was one way to start my college career was tying two records that my coach had and one of them being hit by pitches, go figure. But I didn't even have to do my research. Like, this is crazy. Like usually when I ask any of my guests that quite, they're like, oh, well, I don't know. And then I'll reel off the stat line, but Jordan, you just did my work for me and I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. There, there's a few games that I have like that. There, there's definitely a large amount of them that, I, like I said, I have no idea. Yeah. No clue, couldn't tell you. But there's a few and that that was one just because, you know, it was memorable. It was yeah, my yeah. first weekend. And um, the fact that, you know, after the game, Tench came up and told me, about what I had done in that game, I was like, oh, dope. Like, that's pretty <laughs> cool to, you know, do that. So I was like, I guess I should remember that one. Nothing like getting the, the record for hit batters, though. That's a, <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's sick. I'm like, the strikeouts were cool and all, but the hit by pitches, that's top tier. Right yeah, there. 100. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They, you guys had a solid pitching staff that year. I mean, yourself, Carrie Everly yeah. and, and Keeley, like all all pro players now. Like, that's sick. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking back like that team that we had was insane. Um, You know, it's a shame that we didn't um, do as well as we could have that Mm. year. I think we we definitely underperformed a little bit. Um, But as far as like that staff, like looking back, like if you were to have the three of us on a team now, like, I mean, oh, geez. (laughs) Yeah, really? So uh, it's three very different looks, too. Oh, yeah. Like you just have three you know, different, like three pitchers. I mean, it's like, you've got Keely from the right side with like her movement and then Carrie's going to go down in the zone and throw hard. And mm-hmm. then I'm coming from the left side. I mean, there, it would be absolutely insane. Yeah, it definitely would. Definitely would. Now, uh, what would you say was your biggest learning curve that freshman season? Um, I think understanding how important spots were, I feel like, you know, I, I've always been that kid that was effectively wild. Um, and it's for the most part played out in my favor. Uh, but once you get to the collegiate level, like there's really no such thing to an extent. I mean, you're, I think it's one of those things where, you know, like my pitch would still move really well, but like, if it's not hitting the spot that it needs to hit, like, a good hitter at this level is still going to be able to hit a rise ball. If it's over the plate, Mm -hmm. if you get that rise ball inside, that's when it becomes a pop-up or a swing and miss. And then two, you know, the vice versa, like maybe running that rise ball in a little bit too tight and hitting a batter or, you know, just things like that. I feel like that was the hardest thing for me to figure out uh, my freshman year. And then two, I mean, I I think, you know, a lot of people go through this, their freshman year, especially when they do have the opportunity to play quite a bit is you also kind of get your ego checked a bit. I mean, you're no longer the star of the show. You know, everybody's the star of the show. So now you're competing against the best of the best. And it's uh, finding a way to get rid of that ego hat and really just hone in on being like being okay with failing. I think that was something I wasn't used to was, uh, you know, if somebody hit a home run off of me or I didn't get the result I wanted or I I got pulled, I was I was angry or upset because it's not something I've ever truly had to deal with before. Um, And understanding that, you know, that's part of the game. And, you know, especially at this level and the way the hitters have, you know, developed throughout the years of this game in general. Like, I mean, it's going to happen and finding ways to adjust instead of being upset. Yeah, that's great advice. Any young player listen to this? Listen to that advice right there. That's that's fantastic. Um, so what led to the transfer to Oregon? 
Um, I think, you know, for me, I personally, you know, I, I loved Virginia Tech. I loved the girls. I loved the team, all those things, um, you know, and I think I was in a place uh, once the new staff came in and they were, you know, they were great that you could definitely tell. I mean, you can see the um, success that Virginia Tech has had over the last several years, like that whole staff, they clearly know what they're doing and they're doing a tremendous job out there. And I love seeing them succeed. But for me, I think um, there's different types of playing styles as well as for me, I feel like I was too immature at that age to truly stop. Like I was talking about earlier, um, taking the pressure off of myself. Um, And so I started to kind of struggle mentally with the changes, you know, and my pitching mechanics that were being made and, you know, just adjusting to college in general and balancing, you know, once you're out of that freshman year, like your, your classes start to get a bit harder and you're starting to hone in on things. And I just feel like at that point in my career, I was like, you know, I only get four years of college softball. Um, you know, I obviously got five after COVID, but, (laughs) um, I wanted to be able to say 10 years from now that like, and look back and say that, like, I enjoyed my experience. And I think that fall I was not enjoying, the game anymore. I felt like I didn't really know how to pitch anymore. I just, I didn't like the mechanic changes. There was a lot of things that like, I just felt like were not um, going as well as I had thought they would go. And I think too, you know, I was an immature idiot, you know, like (laughs) I I definitely, you know, I've been there (laughs) fully. Like I will, I will admit, you know, all day, any day, I've made plenty of mistakes in my college career on and off the field. And I'm not ashamed of that whatsoever because they brought me to where they got me, you know, and Um, but, but that also was something as well. And it was something where I was like, like I said, I, I want to say that I enjoyed my experience. And at that current moment, as much as I loved the girls and I loved Blacksburg and I loved the school, it was like, I was not happy. And so I decided to transfer in. I mean, even that was the first year of the transfer portal. And I actually didn't even know what in the world that meant or what it was uh, when I (laughs) decided to transfer. Um, you know, so I was fully prepared to sit out a year, but like, I just remember I was in such a low place mentally. I didn't even know if I was good enough to play anywhere. Like I felt, I remember being at Brookville over winter break, you know, um, granted this was after I had committed to Oregon, but I was like on the gym in my high school crying, um, while my dad was catching me, like I'd thrown my glove off and I was like, coach Lombardi made a mistake and picking me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like, I can't, I I can't figure it out. Like, this is terrible. I'm just going to go out there and embarrass her. Like I was freaking out. And my, I mean, it was like, I just was struggling and I, I, once again, was putting too much pressure on myself. I wasn't giving myself that patience and grace to work through things. Um, And I remember he sat there and he was like, hey, she picked you for a reason and she recruited you for a reason. And she's going to fix everything when you get out there. You just have to trust and believe that and go out there and just give it your all. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And then that's how I ended up out there. Dad's no. Dad's definitely no. <laughs> I shoot. He even caught me the other weekend. I mean, he's always been my catcher, so awesome. he's he still gets back there. That's awesome. Now, so when you committed to Oregon, did you take the trip out to like visit and all that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I yeah. mean, I was in 
Um, and once again, like this was not a school that was somebody that I was thinking about, you right. know, I was, if anything, I was looking more towards, you know, maybe potentially somewhere in the SEC if I could find somewhere like, and once again, like I said, at that point, I was just hoping for the best, but, um, Angela Tencher had actually called me, um, since she was my pitching coach the first year at Virginia Tech. And she said, Jordan, she's like, um, Melissa Lombardi just called me. Do you know who that is? And I was like, I know the name. I know the name is important. I could not <laughs> tell you the school because that was also the year where, you know, there were so many coaching changes, right. but I was like, I was like, Tinch, I swear I know the name. And I know that's an important name. I just, I could not tell you where that's at. And she, she said, she's at Oregon. She's the new head coach at Oregon. And I was like, Oh, and she was like, yeah, you know, she was asking about you and whatnot and wanted to see if you were interested in having a conversation. And so I was like, well, yeah, sure. You know, like, why not? Like, who doesn't want to go have a conversation with the Oregon head coach and potentially go out on a visit there? I mean, it's Oregon, <laughs> you know, everyone thinks of <laughs> Nike and Phil Knight and all those things. But yeah. like, once again, it was not something that I was even thinking about. Um, and literally like two days later, three days later, I was on a flight out there by myself. Um, and then my dad came out the next day. Um, and I went on a visit and I fell in love with it. I mean, I did so much research, number one on Coach Lombardi and the rest of the staff that she had prior to going, but to um, just the school and the place, the facilities, like everything, like despite all the stuff that was going on that year with, you know, everybody all over the country between coaching changes and transfers, like mm -hmm. I feel like the whole college softball world was kind of a disaster <laughs> that year for a while, but like I just felt like this calm presence with her and, you know, with her resume of all the left-handed uh all americans and olympians and national champions that yeah. she's coached for like left-handed pitchers i was like i would be an idiot as a left-handed pitcher not to go play for this woman yeah. and like ever since then like i mean she's like my second mom like i i owe her so much for giving me that opportunity and helping me become who i became because she did a ton and i'm sure she would even tell you i mean especially that first year when i was the only pitcher in the staff it was me, her, and Coach Lang in the bullpen all day, every day. And I'm like, she for sure probably wanted to choke me. I know she probably <laughs> wanted to choke me a few times like because I was not always the easiest to deal with. But because of that, I think, you know, she made me so much more aware of who I am as a pitcher. And on top of that, like she allowed me to grow and gave me that room to grow. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, she, she allowed me also to you know, she was hard on me when I needed it. And if I did something stupid, I for sure was obviously going to pay for it in some extent or whatever, you know, like yeah. that's, you know, but that's, that's part of the game. But I was able to do so with her and feel like I had like a true relationship and true experience out there and something that made me better on and off the field. Whereas I feel like that's not something you get from just any coach. No. And so everything that she's been doing out there for that whole program, like I absolutely love. For sure. For sure. And I mean, you obviously, you settled in quite nicely, especially from a playing perspective out there personally for you. Like, was it a tough adjustment at all being so far from home or was it relatively <clears throat> easy? Um, I think I underestimated how difficult it was going to oh, be yeah. um, because there's no Bojang or cookout or Zaxby's <laughs> or anything like that out there. So that was a bit of an adjustment period for me. But, um, you know, I also I, I didn't realize how spoiled I was having my family, you know, my 
my dad was at almost every single travel ball tournament growing up. And like my parents were both at every single game, like in high school, it feels like. Um, so, and even in college, like when I was at Virginia tech, it was like every weekend they both were driving up and my brother was driving up. Like they were all together. They even bring my dog sometimes. <laughs> like, um, so it was hard for me to get used to, being done with the game and seeing everybody get to go say hi to their families and talk to their families. And by the time I got back on the bus and got my phone, it's like, you know, my three hours ahead, they're asleep, you know? And so, um, my, my mom even started keeping her phone on loud. Um, so like if I ever wanted to call and it was late, she would pick up, but that was hard for me, I think for a while, because it was like, I didn't realize how much I would miss that. Cause I've always been a very independent person who I'm like, you know, like I said, my dream was to go as big and far away from home as possible. And lo and behold, I I eventually did it, but, um, (laughs) I didn't realize how much I would miss them. Um, and then too, I mean, even in 2021, when once again, I started to deal with some, mental health issues and struggling with my pitching really bad. Like it was hard to not be able to kind of just see them in person. And I, I respect, like I owe them the world because there was times where it's like, it's expensive to go all the way across the country. And they, there was time, you know, my dad and my little brother at one point, they dropped everything came out there anyways. Um, and you know, just to be there with me and like, I can't thank them enough for the few times that they were able to do that because it is hard. It is hard being that far away from home. I just didn't think I would realize it by any means, but it for sure hit me. Right. No doubt. Um, if I say February 16th and March 27th, 2019, do they ring a bell? (laughs) Come on. Come on. Stack girl. Come on. You're February sixteenth. And March twenty seventh. Your two career no hitters with the ducks. I would you know, that was gonna be my guess. <laughs> I that was gonna be my guess. No, I mean Believe I imagine that had to be a big boost. But after after you said both dates specifically. Oh okay. But yeah. But yeah. I mean th- that had to be a big I boost. I don't for remember your... who they were against. I will admit that. I do not remember who they were against. Actually, I didn't write it down either, so <laughs> I, th- I think one yeah, was against I, Pacific. I, one was Pacific and... Yep. Yeah, that, that the rings the bell. One. The other one... The other one I remember was at the Clearwater tournament, I think. I just don't remember against who. Yeah, I'm but. drawing a blank too. But either way, anyway, back to oh, my... Well, somebody at the Clearwater somebody, tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, But uh, like, that had to be a big boost for your confidence, you know, especially the first one, being with a new team and only the second weekend in. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was also, I'm pretty sure I like drilled the first batter of that game. Well, there you go. Set the tone. Set in the tone. So I was like, (laughs) it wasn't even something that I was like anticipating to happen. And I remember when we were in Clearwater, I was sick as a dog. Like I'm talking like almost throwing up like at one point in the uh, dugout, like Mm. I had a fever. There was a couple of us on the team that were a bit under the weather, but like I didn't catch it until the day of that, um, that game, because we then played, I remember we played Kentucky afterwards and we got rocked and <laughs> it, was, it was like, every, I felt like I could, like when I, um, I didn't start the Kentucky game, but they had brought me in. And I remember it was like, I felt like I was struggling to get it across the plate. Like I was like, I am not doing well. <laughs> it was like that, that previous game took everything I had out of me. Like somebody has got to help me figure this one out. Cause I am sick. 
but I, I do remember that. And it was, it was nice too. Cause that was also at that point in the season where we still were kind of for the most part fresh. Um, you know, I hadn't ran out of gas yet minus being under the weather and mm-hmm. our girls were hitting the ball really well. And the Clearwater tournament's an awesome tournament. Like it's great competition, but it, it almost feels like postseason down there when you're down there. So right. there any nerves that you have, they kind of just, you know, you got to just throw them off to the side and just compete. And so that's what I loved about that weekend. Right on. So you'd have a fantastic sophomore season named to second team, all pack 12. You're going into the 2020 season. Things were pointing in the right, right direction when you say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, um, not as effectively wild as I used to be. So that was nice. <laughs> yeah. That helps. That helps. Work, work some things out that, that summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you guys start the season 22 and two, then a little thing called the pandemic hits. Uh, how tough was that time for you and the team? I think it was hard. Um, you know, especially, especially for because seniors. like the seniors. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, at that time too, there was so much that was unknown. Um, and on top of that, like, you know, I, I didn't know if it would even be worth coming home back to the East coast or not. You know, I didn't want to put my family at risk, especially my mom. Um, and so it was just one of those things where it it was weird. And for me, I, I mean, I stayed out in Eugene for the most part. I think I did eventually get to go home for about a week or so. Um, but aside from that, I was in Eugene and it was, I, Um, it was brutal. Like there was days where I just like, I was even struggling because I'm like there, I'm somebody who I love to be up and about and around people and busy body workout, go explore. Like I am constantly on the move. And so to be shut down like that was driving me nuts. <laughs> uh, but fortunately my best friend, um, Ariel, she's from Eugene originally. So when they started to finally open up the, um, Oregon facilities again, um, as long as you were wearing masks and whatnot, I was able to, you know, start training with her. And she also had like the gym in her, um, garage at home. So like she helped, she helped me through that a lot, but as a team, it was extremely difficult because it was like, there was so much that was unknown. And then they finally, the NCAA gave everyone that fifth year. So then you had to start taking that into account. And on top of that, there was a lot of things that were in the media that were going on a lot of, um, issues, you know, so injustice issues and a lot of controversies in the political world as well and so like that was just like constantly going on and you're seeing all these things going on in different cities and different areas and they're all online and it was just it was hard for everybody you know but like I think the nice part about like having teammates and having that many people around you um it was easy like we would get on zoom calls every week like coach Lombardi would set up zoom calls all the time and we would all be on there checking in seeing what everyone's doing so that helped Oh, imagine it would. I mean, that's, that's what, like you said, it's a family. And I mean, getting, getting to, you know, stay connected with your family is no doubt had to be a big thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's something that like, I feel like we take advantage of too often as athletes is Mm. how close and how important those relationships are. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm pretty sure it's safe to say 2021 didn't go as planned for you. Correct. Yeah. So what, uh, what all happened there? If you, if, if you want to (laughs) say, yeah. Um, well I think, you know, for me, it was one of those things where I've, like I said, I've always been very hard on myself and I'm always going to push myself harder than anyone. Um, and 
I was um, almost kind of becoming obsessed with this idea of, you know, getting rid of that effectively wild kind of persona that everyone had, you know, for me. Um, So I was very obsessed with trying to almost be perfect and not only be perfect, but like with my spots, but also be perfect with my spin and be perfect with my movement. And so, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't care who you are, you can't control movement. Like you can't control if the ball's going to break eight inches one day or six. Like right. that's, yep. that's physics. And you know, if you're at hundred percent today and 80% tomorrow, the ball's going to break different. That's just reality. Yep. I in 2021 did not know that or believe that. So <laughs> I was just just becoming obsessed. Like it was like, it was like softball was a drug, but a bad drug for me. It was like, I would go and I would throw and throw and throw and throw because I felt like I had to get it right. I had to get it right. I had to get it right, but I wasn't getting it right. I was, if anything, you know, to, to pitch and to create the movement that you need, you know, mechanically you need to be loose and you need to be able to create power while still being loose. But because I was trying so hard to hit a spot and I was trying so hard to still have the ball break, you know, eight, 10 inches. Like I'm, I'm thinking of things that can oftentimes just be absolutely unrealistic, but mm-hmm. like I'm over here for, trying to force myself to create these things. When in reality, I'm, I'm five, five and a half. Like a, there's, <laughs> I'm not throwing 70 consistently. It's not happening. But like, I was just obsessed with that idea. And it just, kind of overtook me. And on top of that, like, you know, coming out of COVID and, um, kind of getting used to the new norm was a little bit difficult for me as well, but it was like, I just started to become like, I mean, I'll even admit it. Like I was a terrible teammate during that time for a while because it was just like, I couldn't figure out myself and I was getting in my own way. Um, and I was, I was wanting to blame everyone, but myself as well. You know, I wanted to blame, the coaches for why are they not pitching me if I'm hitting my spots and I'm hitting, I'm doing this in practice, you know? And then it's like, well, you're not getting the swing and misses that you used to in these games. So that's not, that's giving me less reason to pitch you in these games because your, your ball's not breaking as much. But for me, I didn't see that my ball wasn't breaking as much because all I saw was, well, I hit the spot and it was like, I was just blaming other people. I was blaming my coaches. I was blaming my teammates. I was getting angry, which is anyone and everyone. And that would try to help me. And it was like, I just kept pushing myself further and further and further in a hole. And I remember, you know, by the time we had gotten to regionals in Texas, I remember sitting in the team room at the hotel with coach Lang at like, it was like two o'clock in the morning. Cause we had so many rain delays and I just was bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I, I, I was planning on playing in that Florida Gulf Coast Summer League that that oh, following right. yep. summer. And like at that point, like I told her, I was like, I don't even know if I want to go. Like, because I just I I am so angry with softball and I'm so angry with all of this because how can I put in so much work and I can do all these things and I can spend hours and hours and hours at the facility and in the weight room. And I mean, I was even overdoing it in the weight room. Like I was just going absolutely insane trying to be this thing. And it was just only harming me. And I just was angry at the game because I felt like for me to give so much to it, for that to be how I am like what's given to me in return is, you know, less than what 20 innings or something that year. And my ball not moving anymore. I was angry. I hated it. Um, and she had just told me like, you know, like she, she told me it wasn't a good idea for me to not go to that summer league. She re- she really wanted me to go. And, you know, she was like, I want you to go and just 
go play to have fun, you know, because I feel like you're not doing that right now because you got all this pressure on yourself. Like, I feel like it would be a huge mistake if you didn't go. And so I was like, okay. And so I, you know, once our season concluded, I I did go. And um, the biggest goal was for me to kind of fall in love with the game again, because at that point I had hated it. Mm -hmm. And I, when I say hated, I mean, like, if you brought it up around me, I didn't want to talk about it. I would shut you down really quick because I did not want to hear anything about softball. I hated it. And, um, so that summer league, you know, going into it, I still, you know, was putting this pressure on myself. Well, I'm the kid from Oregon that pitched all those innings in 2019. Like, you know, it was just like, it was just a huge ego, right? Like if anything, you can take away from this was I had a really big ego for no reason. <laughs> and um it was clearly in the way of me for a very long time. But I just kept thinking like I had to do this and I had to do that. And like I was getting upset like if you know I mean it's summer ball and like if somebody made an error and it's all of a sudden like it's costing us a run, I'm getting pissed that we're losing a game. And I'm like, Jordan, it's summer ball. <laughs> you know, and like I but at the time I didn't feel that way. I wanted to win. Right. Like, I was super competitive and I wanted to figure out my pitches and I wanted to figure out how to be me again. And so I was putting pressure on myself to find a way to be me again, which once again was not working. And then about halfway through, one of the girls had told me like, dude, it's summer ball. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And like, it it was something as simple as that. That was like, you know what? You're right. Like, truthfully, nobody cares. Like this is summer ball. This is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to, you know, help people that, you know, want to get some extra reps or maybe are coming off of an injury or maybe do want to fall in love with the game again or are transferring. Like there were so many reasons for that summer league. And like the whole reason I was going was to fall in love with the game. And I was not doing that. And so I finally just I don't want to say not stopped caring, but I I stopped caring and it kind of allowed me to start freeing up myself in my motion. And I started to kind of get the hang of things again. Um, And then I remember even having that one conversation uh, when we played against the pride uh, for the all American series of that summer. And it was like, they had, uh, I can't remember who said it, but they were, they were the one that told me that, you know, you can't control movement. So instead of trying to control how much your ball breaks, control where it starts and then let it do the rest. Because if you're starting it somewhere, it's going to look like that to the batter and all these different things. And so that's when I started to have those light bulbs go off in my head of like, you can't control everything that you do. And so I started to pitch more freely and, feel like myself again slowly it took Mm -hmm. some time but slowly I started to get back there and then go figure my last year I carried my labrum in March but it was still a lot better I could walk away from college softball saying that I gave it my all that year and I didn't regret anything and that was that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have gone to that summer league and wouldn't have listened to my coach right I was going to ask you about that torn labrum I mean uh during that time that you were hurt, did you take a lot of time like to, I don't know, self-reflect or, you know, think about the game at all? Um, in this past year, like the, my fifth year. Yeah. 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 Um, so I tore it and it, I mean, it wasn't like fully torn. It was a partial tear. Um, but it was also, I have tendonitis really bad in my shoulder and it was during the Cal series last year. And I just knew something fell off in that first game after I had thrown this like one particular pitch. 
And so after a while, like, you know, we didn't know for sure that it was torn at that time. Um, but we did find out, you know, within the following weeks after getting an MRI and all those things, but, um, it kind of was a gut check for me because, you know, I, I felt like I went into my fifth year really trying to just enjoy the moment and make the most of my last year of college softball. But at the same time, you know, it's easier said than done when yeah. you're my, my head is like, okay, like I want to win. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like I'm super, super competitive. Um, and so when, I, it, I found out that it was partially torn and that, you know, there were options of you could do a cortisone shot. We can put you on prednisone. We could do the surgery. Like there's all these different things. Like that was when I started to really realize like my time is kind of running out potentially. And like, I don't want to waste it. Um, and I definitely didn't want to stop playing just because of it. I wanted to finish out my fifth year. So, you know, we tried the prednisone that made me an emotional mess. I hate prednisone. <laughs> and so we, we, we got me off of that really quick. And then, um, we, we tried some other things and just kind of trying to manage the pain and limit me in the weight room. And, you know, that worked out because for the most part, towards the end of my fifth year, like I was pretty much just coming in, um, to like kind of get us out of jams basically, Mm -hmm. which I was okay with. And I was comfortable with because I, I was able to kind of resort back to that first year at Oregon when I had to throw all those games and all those different situations. And right. so I felt comfortable. I didn't feel nervous going out there with the tying run on third. I didn't feel nervous playing against, you know, some of the best hitters because I was like, I feel like I've already done this. And I can honestly say right now, given the current physical state that I am in, am I at my best? No, but I know that I can at least get a job done right. and I can find a way to make it work and just enjoy this last few months of college softball. So it was, it was an eye opening experience um, because I think it put things into perspective for me a little bit more than they had initially had when I first felt like it was off. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about Texas smoke now. Uh, how right. uh, how uh how did becoming a smoke come to be anyway um i was actually i'm i'm pretty close friends with Alyssa, and um she had asked me you know uh she's like are you interested in still playing and i was like i mean yeah why, why not you know i think you know at that point um my arm had been healed long enough to a sense. And I'd had the PRP injection and all those things. So it was like, I felt like physically I was in a spot to where I could compete again. And I'd been throwing BP and everything to, um, the girls at North Carolina. And I was like, yeah, like, I mean, I miss, I miss playing and I would love to have an opportunity to play again. So, um, she connected me with BP and Hawk and them. And then, you know, before I knew it, I'm a Texas smoke player now. So I I'm excited. That's awesome. I mean, you gotta be pumped to be going into that organization. I mean, especially with the the leadership group in in intact that they have. Yeah, I think it's it's something that like I I feel like I dreamed of as a kid. Like I mean, you know, everyone wants to be something when they're like a kid. And mine was always like, oh, I want to be a pro athlete or like something, you know, like that was just yep. something that I, I thought I was only a dream, especially for women, like, and the, the opportunities that we haven't unfortunately had up until, you know, the last several years, you've started to see a lot more growth in that area, specifically with softball. But like, 
great to actually like be in play and with the people that like I'm going to be playing with and um, the coaching staff and the owners and everything. Like it's like an awesome opportunity and the things they're doing for the league, but also this team and specifically in us are just like unmatched and I'm excited. And I feel like I feel well represented in a sense of our best interests are being put first. Um, it's not just, you know, an, an elite level of travel ball anymore or anything like that. Like they're, they're taking these things seriously. They, there's the, the, between the facilities, the uniforms, like the, you know, training, whatever it may be, like all the little things and all the details they are taking care of and, you know, asking for our input on as well. And like, those are things that like, I feel like you don't just get anywhere. So I love feeling like our voices are being heard. Like, I think that's important. And I, I absolutely respect that. Yeah. I think the one thing I'm most excited for is the fact, I mean, you're now the, the fifth player from the smoke that I've had on the podcast. And now I kind of get all your guys' personalities and that team if anything is going to be fun. Like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't I wait already, to watch yeah, this. I already know. <laughs> like, it's oh. going to be fun. Like, I can't wait. And I can't wait to meet everybody. Like, obviously like we all have like a group chat with like the whole team and the owners and everything, but I haven't like officially met everybody yet, but like, mm. I, I can't wait for that day to come soon. No it's coming up a lot quicker, <laughs> a lot yeah. quicker than I think, yeah. but I'm excited. For sure. For sure. So what kind of, what kind of prep are you doing to get ready? Um, I'm working with a personal trainer out here in Raleigh. Uh, so I'm, I'm training with him, you know, about four days a week. Um, I'm usually doing that in the mornings. I'm also pitching, you know, probably I'd say five times a week. Um, sometimes one of those days includes throwing BP to the girls, um, pregame, but even on the days that I'm not like doing my own bullpens, I'm nine times out of 10, at least moving my arm around in a circle to do some front toss or something. But um, just mostly that and just kind of getting prepared and making sure that I also am, you know, still keeping coaching at the forefront right now because we are still in season and like my girls come first right yeah, now. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I'm making sure that I get everything done with them and help them when they need. And then, you know, once I'm done with all of that, I'm, I mean, I'm usually in, it's like early mornings are for me and then very, very late at night, like nine, 10 o'clock at night are for me. And then like everywhere in between is for coaching <laughs> and then I get to go to sleep. So it's like, I got to be up before them to do my training and then I got to stay up while they're going to bed to go do my pitching. But, um, that's, that's pretty much what I've been doing so far. Sacrifices of playing pro ball. huh? Oh yeah. There but I love go. it. I mean, I, Oh, absolutely. I love being busy and I love, I mean, I love anything that'll get me up in the morning and get moving and feel like I've, I'm so much more productive that way. Yeah, so for sure, for sure. All right, Jordan, we have a thing I like to end the podcast with. I call it player association. I'm going to, I'm going to throw some names to you. You uh, can touch on them. If you have a story, let it fly. There's no hold, no holds barred. <laughs> so I'll start off with uh, Haley Cruz. Uh, one of my best friends for life. I love that woman. She she was one of the... Uh, I've got a lot of crazy stories with her, but I will not share any of those. <laughs> oh, come on. But... <laughs> Um, she, she is one of the greatest people I've ever met and one of the best teammates and just humans in general. I mean, I, I still talk to her every now and then. I mean, I just talked to her, I think the other day. Um, but I mean, I love her. I absolutely love her to death, but definitely a friend for life. Awesome. Uh, next one, your new teammate and 
I let her talk about you on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So I, it's your turn, Alyssa Rivera. That girl is my evil twin. I think that's the, <laughs> the best way I can appropriately describe her. No, we are, we will sit on FaceTime for like eight hours a day. I'm not even kidding. Cause we're both like, we're both coaching, we're both playing and we both kind of are just, you know, living alone, you know, young Yep. Young kids, like we're just, we get bored. We're like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like just constantly on FaceTime. Uh, we might even get together next Monday to do the, do a little like watch party for the draft. So nice. I don't know, but she, she's one of the most loyal people I've ever met. And she is one of the most fun and caring people I've ever met. And that girl can play ball. That yep. is for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Actually, I think when I was talking to her, she said she had just got off FaceTime with you prior to the podcast. Probably. So. <laughs> so there probably. You go. Yeah. And I'll probably be on FaceTime with her later tonight. Yeah, so. There we go. There we go. Uh, two more here. Ariel Carlson. She's my person. Um, she was my best friend, you know, at Oregon, especially the last couple of years. I mean, we were inseparable. Like, I mean, we, we still talk like every single day and we'll always try to make sure we get a FaceTime in every week or two. Uh, um, just to kind of catch up on all the tea, whether it's her tea or my tea, that's what we call it, but we call them tea talks. Um, uh, but no, like we even have matching tattoos. Like we have the cat, we're both Capricorns. So I have that behind my ear and hers is on her hand, but she, she's my person. So I miss her dearly. Nice. Wait, isn't there a YouTube video about that? You guys going to get matching tattoos? Yeah, 100%. 100%. There, there's a lot of there's my, on the there's my research. <laughs> See, that that was my research coming through there. I, I come across your YouTube channel. And if anybody wants to check that out, go check it out. Cause... I need to get back into it. I just posted my first TikTok today in like 14 months. Oh, wow. So I, I need to get back into my YouTube too because I've been, I don't know. I just Those kind were great. of stepped away from a lot of Those it. Those were great. I know. It's, it's just editing. It takes oh, so long, yes, man. Editing. Like, and I don't have like an editor. So if you know of any editors yeah. that want to do that for me, send I, them my way. Yeah, but I do mine for the podcast and I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I hate editing. Like, it is time consuming. <laughs> it's one thing, you know, like I remember I even tried doing a podcast for a little while and like granted like a podcast, at least it wasn't like I was having to add like text, and, right. like fix like the stuff, but yes. like, I'm like, man, just the clipping and making sure the audio is correct and the video. I'm like, holy cow, this is yeah. taking forever. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having to do video. Like, nah, skip that. <laughs> yeah. I need to find a person for that. Cause yeah. I, I, right now I already got enough film, film and like video and scouting to watch. And then I don't, I don't need to be doing that yeah, as that's well right. right now. That's right. All right. One more here. Uh, kind of touched on her a bit during the podcast, Melissa Lombardi. She is my second mom, I guess I could say, <laughs> but um, I, I owe that woman a lot. I mean, she's done so much for me. And I mean, even through not even the ups, like I, even when I think of her, like I think of how much she means to me, but just in general, like, her unwavering support and forgiveness and grace through all of my hard times. Um, because I know I wasn't the easiest person to work with at times when I was going through my struggles. And like, I remember like, there's been times where I'm just like, I just want to text her and tell her like, I know how you felt when you were working with me because I'm, <laughs> I, I now get where you were coming from with this stuff. But like, it's just funny because there's so many things that 
like will come up or whatever while I'm coaching and they remind me of me and her. And I'm like, wow, like she really cared for me, I think more than like I could ever at least understand. And I will forever respect her. And I'm, I'm her biggest fan always. Well, what a great way to end the podcast right there. Jordan, listen, I got to thank you for taking time under your busy schedule. And I know how busy it is to come on the podcast and have a chat with us. I wish you nothing but the best the rest of the season at UNC. And of course, definitely be watching with the, sm with the smoke down in Texas this summer. And uh, again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care, Jordan. See ya. Yo, I finally got the truth from ya And took a bit, y'all recognize wow. The classified was never one to mess around with lies huh. It ain't my nature, total behavior Be opposite, dropping it I'll be the dopest MC rockin' it Composed tracks, got your mind in the days And got you wondering how I can flip it every which way Lots of practice Hey yo, class brings tactics That make you bounce around like you and your girl on the mattress Son, I'll stop you in your track with your weak style And you can speak foul, but can you really freak pal? Too many MCs on the mic sound the same It's kinda funny though, cause they're the ones that found the fame So what's I say, about the world and the music business I guess it's all about the bank and how much money's in it And half-life is like half-broke I gotta work the nine to five to put my own records out It ain't a problem, yo, keeps me focused on the mic It makes my skills tight, it feels right to shake the light So I'ma break it for the million MCs speaking raps They never see no money, no fame or no contract Hey yo, you know most of us won't See a million bucks, most of us will end up broke To me, that's what it ain't about, yo I live for it Hip-hop, what's the best you can give for it? What you take me for, son? Another ten minute rapper. We're only in the game because it's friends in it. Blast your ripples and leave your brain intoxicated. If duplicated, I must start this off and instigated. So watch yourself. We'll catch a lyric to that dome in seconds. I use my microphone to tear them, seize apart in sections. I use my mind to amplify the situation needed and put them all together when my destination meet it. And now I'm at the spot for sure convinced it was never about talking it. All about rocking it and dropping it. From late at night to early morning. Rappers on the mic will teach Focus on the form and change It's got my mental doing flips You come and do this game Think it's easy, y'all can do this So put the mic down Let an empty like me kick it Flip it, rip it That's how I hit it, ha! Huh.